Today's reading is from Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. And the second will be from John 14, 27. I read the first one. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nation. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as one of the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and his named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the land, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let them be afraid this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god thank you pearl for reading our scripture this morning at our early service this morning, we had a room full of people. It was our Lessons and Carols service for our Advent season, and we had a new family join the church, and there was a baptism. It was such a celebration. I'm sorry you missed it. Um, but we're happy to celebrate it with you even now. Today we wrap up a sermon series entitled, What's in a Name? There are many names given to the child who will be born in the manger. Lamb of God, bread of life, Alpha and Omega, Redeemer, and more. Learning more about the names of Jesus helps us understand more about who he is. We chose a few names on which to focus for our sermon series this Advent. We chose Emmanuel, Jesus. We chose Word of God, Prince of Peace, Light of the World. We learned in this series that Emmanuel means God with us. We learn in Jesus that he is our savior. That's what the name Jesus means. We learn as God is, as Jesus is the word of God, that means he is the word of God made flesh for us. Today we learn more about Prince of Peace. 
Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we sit around a manger today awaiting your birth. And as we do, we pray in this Advent season that you would continue to prepare our hearts once more and again for your coming. For you are here and you are coming again into our hearts, into a manger, into our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would get me out of the way this day and you would do your thing in our midst. May the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, our redeemer, Emmanuel, Savior, Word of God, Prince of Peace. And it is in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Peace. One week before Christmas is an odd time to talk about peace, not with the circumstances. Here we are, many of us trying to keep our heads above water, trying to get our ducks in a row if we can find our ducks in the first place. Or maybe we feel like ducks ourselves, appearing calm on the surface above it all while our legs are furiously paddling underneath. There is much to do every year. Find a tree, decorate a tree, decorate the house inside and out. Do the Christmas cards, if we're even sending them this year, getting them signed and addressed and mailed and stamped and put in the mail on time or late and finishing up or starting Christmas shopping. There are only seven days left, brothers and sisters. Or then we're wrapping presents and can't find the tape because it keeps disappearing and the cat jumps on the tissue paper and then into the box thinking that all of this was a game designed with him in mind. And there are extra gatherings and meetings and dinner parties and programs and an already full calendar. Christmas baking and menu planning and grocery shopping when prices are rising. End of term exams and schoolwork and more and cleaning the house for company to come or getting everything ready to travel or both. Peace. One week before Christmas seems an odd time to talk about peace, not with these circumstances. It's all the things on top of what was already a juggling act of all the usual things. Trying to take care of everybody and everything, it can be exhausting. Christmas can be such a beautiful time, and somehow it also bumps up against some old wounds, or somewhere through the years creates some new ones. Or makes us feel like less when we compare our own Christmas to what we think other people might be having. With all that's hard and all that's good in being with family again. So we paddle away under the water. Wanting others looking at us on the surface to think we're holding it all together. Does any of that hit home? Peace. One week before Christmas is an odd time to talk about peace, not with these circumstances. Or maybe these circumstances make it exactly the right time to talk about peace. 
This time in Isaiah chapter 9 was also an odd time to talk about peace, not with their circumstances. What they knew about then was the absence of peace. Let's look at our biblical text today from Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet from Jerusalem. He prophesied from around 740 to 701 B.C. or B.C.E. in the nation of Judah to various kings. King Ahaz was one of them. Isaiah was a spiritual advisor or God's messenger to the king. And around chapter 9, the nation of Judah was in the midst of conflict. Nearby Assyria was a strong empire and growing stronger, annexing territory in its path. Neighboring nations wanted King Ahaz to join them in an attack against the Assyrians. But Ahaz did not want to. He tries to pay off Assyria. The other kings plot to overthrow him. It is a big mess. The Assyrians were a serious threat and the Judeans know the absence of peace all too well. We hear it reflected in the language of the verses. Isaiah calls it darkness, deep darkness in a time of fear, conflict, and uncertainty. We hear military, political, and personal danger in the verses. A rod, a yoke, a bar across the shoulders, boots, blood, fire. Those are images of war and oppression. And in the midst of this time without peace, Isaiah announces peace is on the way. A light in the darkness, a child is coming. Oppression will be broken as in the day of Midian. Referring to Judges 7, the story of Gideon with that surprising victory through God's help. Isaiah then piles on the titles for this child who is coming. If we've ever heard Handel's Messiah, we hear these voices singing in our ears. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the title on which we focus today, Prince of Peace. Good news, Isaiah says, is on the way. First century Christians reading this passage in Isaiah many centuries after it was written see Jesus in this text from Isaiah. He is the child to be born. He is the light shining in the darkness. We see Jesus fulfilling this passage. And rightfully so. This scripture is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the Prince of Peace. The multitude of angels already told them that when they announced peace to the shepherds on the hillside at Jesus' birth. Peace in the first century was also hard to find. Not with their circumstances. It was not the Assyrian Empire that was the problem then. It was the Romans. In Luke's gospel, Mary and Joseph are forced to return to his hometown right before the baby is born. Can you imagine? In Matthew's gospel, the holy family flees to Egypt for safety because paranoid King Herod is searching for Jesus to kill him. Can you imagine? 
in the absence of peace, Jesus comes to bring it despite the circumstances. In his earthly life, this is what Jesus does. We see it in the Gospels. He brings peace to troubled waters, peace to troubled lives. He says, do not be afraid. I am with you. Peace be still. In his power, he calms the storms, calms hearts, calms tension, calms an angry mob either eager to judge and stone someone in sin. And just before his death, He calms the disciples once more in the Gospel of John. It was in our second scripture reading that Pearl shared with us today, John 14, 27, when Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. (coughs) Peace is his parting prayer and blessing for them and for us. And it is an echo of Isaiah 9, verse 7. Not only peace, Jesus and Isaiah say, but endless peace, whatever the circumstances. What does such a promise mean in our lives today? It is easy, I imagine, for us to relate to circumstances in which peace seems absent. We know what it feels like to not have peace. We're not in Isaiah's 8th century B.C. or the 1st century. But feeling the need for peace is something we hardly need to give context in each generation. Humanity has known what that is like for decades and centuries and more. And now it's not only the overloaded, overwhelming nature of the season at a frenetic pace. It's bigger than that. We can look at headlines or our lives and know the darkness of the world very well. Deep darkness. War and violence in Ukraine and other parts of the world. The dividedness of our nation. People vilifying each other's, lying about things, collective sin, individual sin, racism, poverty, shootings. For some of us, a lack of peace hits much closer to home with marital concerns, mental health, finances, grief, family issues, disease, addiction, worries, anxiety, you name it. What Isaiah tells us is that, yes, things may be difficult now, but our circumstances are not the end of the story. For in Christ, Christ's coming means hope. The Prince of Peace is and will be with us in the middle of it all. The way Jesus talks about peace in John captures that. It is being able to look at one set of circumstances from two different lenses. That yes, circumstances may be difficult and Jesus is with us in them. As Reverend William Sloan Coffin said after his 24-year-old son died, what God promises us is not 
maximum protection, but maximum support with us. Like one of my professors in seminary used to say, life is hard, sometimes very, very hard, and God is with us. That assurance of presence gives us peace that we are not now and not ever alone. Christ is with us here and now. It is not only in a manger, but in the middle of life's circumstances that Christ is born the light of the world. This is not the kind of peace based on the absence of struggle or darkness or pain. It is peace based only in Jesus Christ. Hope in the mess, not after it has cleared. Light in the darkness, not after it has passed. Jesus inserts peace in the circumstances, regardless of circumstances, because of circumstances, whether or not it changes the circumstances. That is not the point. The point is Jesus, the Prince of Peace, with us here and now, and that matters more than anything. Let me tell you a story. I'll call this person Kevin. He was driving a vehicle one night late when it hit another. Kevin and his friends were drunk. He hadn't wanted to drive, but somehow he ended up that night behind a wheel. In the accident, he was seriously injured and someone was killed. He knew the person who had been killed, and so he was grieving. Now he would be tried for manslaughter. He was broken, hurt, frightened, and in darkness, deep darkness. He started going to AA meetings and started going to church. Not here, but another church I know. We spent a lot of time together in those months after the accident. He was hesitant to tell his story, thinking he would be judged for it, condemned for it, kicked out of a church for it. His family wrapped around him. His church wrapped around him built a relationship with him, knew there would be ups and downs in that relationship. And one of the men in the church who was himself a recovering addict gave him a Bible and said, we're in this together. We need each other. During that time, We listened to Kevin. We loved on Kevin. And by the grace of God, he turned toward Jesus and loved God with his whole life and whole heart. He was baptized. He professed his faith. He shared his testimony. His faith impacted that entire church. It was like a revival. God used Kevin's faith to impact me. To bring new people to Christ and use Kevin's faith to spark new life and people who'd forgotten what a gift it is to have a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. As the trial was coming, 
Kevin knew he would be sentenced and imprisoned for a long time. We couldn't change that. Those were the circumstances. And yet, when we talked together, Kevin told me it was the strangest thing, he said. I have such peace. Peace. When you're going to jail, it seems like an odd time to be talking about peace. Not in those circumstances. How is that possible, he asked. I said, that is God. That is what God does. That is who God is. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And gives peace that makes no sense in the middle of all that is not peaceful. We don't control that. Jesus tells us we are not alone. Philippians 4, 7 says it is the kind of peace that is beyond our understanding. Kevin had no illusions about his circumstances or prison. And he had the biggest smile on his face. Not from the circumstances. From Jesus. It's not a flimsy, don't worry, be happy kind of peace. It is peace never based on the situation, no matter what it is. It is peace beyond our making that only comes from Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. What about you? What are your circumstances today? What around you or in you is what it is and you wish that it weren't. The Prince of Peace is with you in the middle of it all. You can count on it. This gift of peace then goes one step further. Because that infant Jesus grows up and calls us to follow him as disciples in the holy work of peacemaking. He says in Matthew 5, 9, peacemakers will be called children of God. How do we follow his lead in that? We do as our church what that church did for Kevin. Rather than moving first to condemn or judge or give up, we wrap around each other and our neighbors, even when life is at its lowest, by the grace of God in humility, vulnerability, grace, and love. We're all just one sinner trying to tell another where such peace is found. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.